a good one there. So, for those of you who don't know me, my name is very loud at the moment, Mark Pierce. Um, so when he says Pierce them, it held a good joke. Um, I'm going to start the time. So, my name is Mark. I'm the husband of but one wife, the husband of but two children, with the same wife. And, uh, yeah, I felt, um, you know, the opportunity came up to preach on Tuesday and, and immediately God dropped a, a word in my heart that I want to bring tonight. Um, but first I want to say, how many of you know that the world, the world around us is changing? How many of you sense it's changing? Is it going for the good or the bad? Okay, it's going down. How many of you know that the church is changing? Okay. The reality is that the church is made up of people, and we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. But the, the reality is that as we live our lives and we're out there, we are affected by the world. And the world and the media changes the way we think, changes the doctrine, and actually the world at this point in time would even put restraints on us and tell us how to do Christianity. While I was worshipping and thinking of the, of the message that is coming tonight is, I got a picture of a bride, and the bride had her arm twisted behind her back, and she was down on her knees in the mud, in her white dress, being defiled by this thing that is called the world. And that's what the world would do. The world doesn't want us to shine, because the world is not owned, it's owned by the enemy, and he hates us, and he wants us to look different. Just, uh, I've heard Andrew say it, so I'm going to repeat it. But uh, what he says is um, uh, that if you want to see what the church is going to look like, what the church is going to believe in seven years, if you see what the world believes now, you'll see what the church will believe or look like in seven years from now. And then he's also corrected that. He says he believes it's quicker. He says it's three years. Um, just based on the amount of bombardment from the media and just that we have access to so much stuff. So the, the world is wanting to put pressure on us and make us look different. And we see this in many different ways. We see a consumeristic world. A world that says it's all about you. Buy what makes you happy. And you see the church pre preaching a consumeristic gospel. Prosperity message or a graceful message. Hyper grace. Where it's all about you. Congregation. And all this is for you. You know, It's not for Jesus anymore becomes about us. So the world does influence us. We cannot deny it. It was happening even in the first century. Paul writes the book to the Romans, and we're not going to throw this up. We're going to go through quite a lot of scripture tonight. I love scripture. I want to paint a picture. I want to convince you thoroughly, but not my thoughts, but the thoughts of the Lord and His Word. In Romans 1 verse 7, it says, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be His holy people. So Paul's writing to a church of people who love God. And we know the scripture in Romans 12 verse 2, where it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Paul was saying it then, and I felt a stern warning from God. We need to say the same thing now. There's stuff that's coming in and affecting the church. We need to highlight it because we can't look like the world. So what I want to talk about tonight, you're going to get a bit of thrills when I say it, is submission. Submit. And something within each one of us goes, oh, there's a, there's a flesh that rises up and says, I'm going to struggle with this message, what this guy has to tell me. 
So I'm going to preach tonight on authority and submission. And I'm hopefully going to make it look beautiful to you. So, the first thing I want to say is I want to bring up a quick scripture, which I also didn't give. It's uh, from Matthew 8. And uh, Jesus has been preaching. He's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. Um, There is an authority on him. In Luke, um, when he cast out the demon from one of us, anyways, the people look at him and go, what is this new teaching with authority that even the demons submit to him? And then we see this man in Matthew 8, verse 8. If you're taking notes, uh, there'll be a lot of scripture. You can look it up when you get home tonight. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? This man already had faith that God, Jesus could heal him. Okay, he'd seen Jesus heal everywhere he went. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, and soldier with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. There was something on the centurion that, that Jesus commended, and he'd seen something, but it was from the man's experience. He was a military man. He understood, I have authority, and I am in authority over people. But he acknowledged that Jesus was in authority over certain things. And all that he had to do was say the word. Let me give you a quick definition of um, what the word authority means. The power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Okay. Something in our flesh doesn't like that. You're going to tell me what to do. It's scary. It's hardcore. But I want to show you where authority comes from, how it is delegated, what we must do to be under authority, and what it looks like the opposite. Okay, so let's turn to our first scripture. We're going to read quite a lot. We want to look at the beginning um, as where does authority come from? The word authority actually comes from the root word author. The author gives the authority. I got this from Derek Prince. Um, Some guys will pick it up. But if I write a book and you want to know about the book, I'm the best one to interpret the book. It's my book. I wrote it. If I make something, I'll tell you how it is meant to be used. You can use it in many other ways. I'm the one who made it. I have authority over that thing. So we go back to Genesis 1, um, right in the beginning. Okay, so we are going to read from Genesis 1, verses 1. You got it? You don't have it? Okay, I'll read it. Says Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning, and I want you to remember the definition of authority, the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience, to give orders. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, separate the light from the darkness. Okay. Called the day and night. 
Okay, so what do we see? We see nothing, there's a spoken word, and something reacts. Okay, there's creation. What does that mean? God is the ultimate authority. When he speaks, the wind and the waves have to come under his submission. We see that in Jesus, which we'll get to later. But creation has to submit to the spoken word of the Father. It is his creation. He is the ultimate authority. Okay, authority is delegated. Okay, the centurion said, I'm a man under authority with those underneath me. Let's go to the next one in Genesis. Genesis 1 verse 26. We'll read together. Um, and then 2 verse 15. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So what happens is, if I'm in authority, I can delegate that authority. I can give authority over certain things to a person. My daughter is mine. I can give her to Bryce. Bryce will never have authority over my daughter. But if I say to him, watch over her, God over her, pray for her, I've given him an authority that he can walk in. So God is the ultimate authority and he creates man. And he delegates authority to man. In Genesis 2, verses 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. With authority and delegation comes, authority is really a thing of function. God gave man authority because he wanted him to take care of the earth, to subdue it, to um, expand, be fruitful, multiply. But it was his to work. So God gives him authority that then the earth would submit to man as well. So man has authority, but the authority that God gives us is subject to a boundary. Walk in obedience. How many commandments under Moses? Ten. Four more under Jesus. How many were original? One. Don't eat from the tree. We know the rest of the story, so let's read it quickly. Because I want to see what happens when we come in rebellion. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually so, first thing, creates doubt. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruits of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed big leaves together. So, in that moment, 
man rebels against obedience to God. One thing. God, you're the authority. He gives one commandment and man rebels. He becomes rebellious. The interesting thing is that this wasn't the first time that rebellion came into play. In fact, the one who tempted man and everyone who came on from Adam was born into rebellion. We were born as sinners, under sin. It's in our DNA to sin. I have a daughter who is now two years, four months, and um, we took her out today and we put on a bunny top on her, and uh, we've been given over authority over her as her parents and um, for her protection. So we put this bunny top on her because we're going to the park and it's cold. She did not want to wear that thing. She threw fits and tantrums and wanted to tear that bunny top off to the point where sometimes you have to discipline. The point is, we have authority. I didn't put the bunny top on her because I knew she didn't like the bunny top. I put it on her because it's good for her good. I've been given authority as a function to take care of and protect. But something within her wants to rebel. If I choose the bunny top, she wants something else. You don't need to tell me that kids know how to sin or I am rebellion. So let's see where it first comes from. So we're going to look at quickly Ezekiel 28. I know this is a lot of scripture. I want to lay a solid foundation for authority and where it comes from. Ezekiel 28. This scripture is um, written about the king of Tyre, but it's actually a picture of Satan. So, son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre. Satan, thus says the Lord God, you were... This is not talking about Lucifer. Okay, Satan. You were the signet ring of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, spiritual Eden. Every precious stone was your covering. Satan, Lucifer, when he was worshipping God, was so close to the throne and he had... um, different stones all over him, and as the light of the glory of God reflected on him, it it hit Satan, Lucifer, and it back over God, like he was called to reflect the beauty and the glory of God. He was the most powerful angel and led worship in heaven. Every precious stone was recovering, sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub placed you and you were on the holy mount of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mount of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities, in your unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought fire up from your midst. It consumed you. And I turned you into ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. So that is the account of the fall of Satan. It actually speaks better of it in Isaiah 14. So I just want to show you 
Satan, Lucifer, was perfect. He was in heaven. He fell. Here's a better account of it. It describes the heart of Satan in that moment in Isaiah 14, verse 12. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who lay the nations low. You said in your heart, and I want you, every time I say, I will, to count it. I will ascend to the heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. How interesting. I will make myself like the most high. If you eat of the tree of fruit, you will be like God. The same thing, that pride, that arrogance, that I will, that was in Satan, is exactly what he used to take man out. And in that, Satan rebels and he leaves the whole of humankind behind him as man turns away from being obedient to God to following, to just actually just being disobedient to God. He falls. Rebellion comes into the world. Okay, so what is submission? Let me give you a definition of submission. Submission. Action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. Action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. See, once we were born into Adam, we were born into sin, we were born into rebellion. It is in our nature to want to sin. Because that seed was carried through our Father all the way through. So something in us wants to rebel. We know what God's law is, but like Paul says, how do I do the things I don't want to do? There's still flesh inside of us. So submission is actively yielding to the authority of somebody else. So the whole world, and God gives the law, we know it, and then Jesus comes. And this is what I want to show tonight. It's so beautiful. How does Jesus react? Let's look at the first one. A lot of scripture. I want to lay this, and then I'm going to give some examples. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority. Jesus healing, casting out demons. Whose authority was He under? What does that say? It's not my own authority. But speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Next one. A couple of chapters later. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me the commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father has told me. Before we go on, I'm sorry. Okay. It's cool. Okay. Might be the next one, but different translations. I only do and say the things the Father told me. Only. That's it. That means if a word came out of Jesus' mouth, you know that he'd heard it from the Father. And then said it. Okay. 
For I've not spoken on my own, okay, but I do as the Father has commanded me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so the world may know that I love the Father. Okay, he only did, he only said what he saw the Father doing. That's called somebody in submission. We all know the the scripture in Philippians 2, where it says, even though he was equal with God, he didn't count equality something to be grasped, but he comes in as a servant. And actually, when he says he comes in as a servant, he's not speaking even about serving God. We see him washing the disciples' feet. He comes in as a servant of man, never mind God. Why did he do that? He obviously saw the Father do it. Okay, so we see two different pictures. We see sin in the world and flesh, and we and following Satan and being in rebellion, and we see um, Jesus. We see the world going, I will, I will. How many of you know that um, people want to be a law unto themselves nowadays? Autonomous, I think, is the word. I decide what's good for me. I decide for my life. And then Jesus says, give me your life. I will be Lord over it. And we give him our life. But in that place, we come under his authority and under his submission and under his protection. Or we go back to rebellion. We are not under his authority. We are not under his submission. And in fact, we don't have his authority. Yeah. Very bad when you go blank. So here's another thing that I want to throw out there, and um, this is a freebie. Um, Brassy read from John 17. He said, "Father, make them one, even as you and I are one." Do you know how often we we talk about unity? It's the unity in the body. That's what does that look like? Do we all think the same? Do we all talk the same? What does it look like? Like unity, we want the commanded blessing of God. Let me show you what unity looks like and where it comes from. Matthew 28. I'm going to read this and I'm going to shock you quickly. Scripture you know very well. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given. Okay, next one, sorry. We've been delegated authority by Jesus. Okay, next one, sorry, next scripture. It's Matthew uh, 28, uh, sorry, 26 verse 39. Okay, let's leave it. I'll give you another example just now. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. It says, we know it, it's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. It's in Matthew 26. It says, going a little farther, he fell down on his face to the ground and prayed. Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He went away a second time and prayed, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. Not my will, but your will. What does that say? Was it Jesus' will to go to the cross? No. Jesus didn't want it. He looked forward and he knew why he was here and he saw the anguish of the cross. He saw the separation. He saw carrying the full wrath of God and being separated from the Father who he had been joined to and unified with for the whole of eternity. He looks at me and goes, I don't want this. But, Father, make him one as we are one. So he was unified with God, but he had a different mindset. But, then he says, not my will, but yours. What does that show you out of submission? Can we be unified without submission? No. We can't. 
We can never think the same. But with this unity, I mean with this submission, we can all go in the same direction. So, Neil says, guys, we're going into a time of prayer. Okay, He's, Neil has been delegated authority by God. Okay, we'll get into that very quickly now. And he says, we're going into a time of prayer. Guys, I want you to be there at 6 a.m. every single Monday for the next year. Guys go, oh, who's Neil to know what he's talking about, you know? I want to sleep in. I don't believe I need to go to... Neil's going, guys, we want to go for this thing. We want to make prayer priority. Rebellion. You've, you've stepped outside of an authority and turned against an authority that actually God has ordained. Because all authority is God ordained. I'm not going to be able to stick to my notes. Do you know that Satan has a degree of authority? A degree. Do you know where his authority comes from? God. God gives him his authority. Before Jesus goes to the cross, um, Jesus speaks to, um, to Peter and he says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you. Asked. If God had said, there's no way, what would have happened? Satan would have backed down. We know the story of Job, where Job, where the devil's going around, to and from, looking for someone comes and asks God's permission. Satan's authority on the earth comes from the Father. Okay. Make you start to think a little bit. So what are the authorities? And these are the three things. I want to try and stick to time. God is the author of authority. All authority. All authority. Even the powers and principalities of darkness are under the authority of the Father. Okay? Satan has to ask permission. He will never give you more than you can endure. What are the three things I felt God say that actually these are the things that may be being challenged? The first thing is the Word of God. Now I'm going to give some examples. Neil, let me just stop in this 25 minutes. The Word of God. There's so much coming against the Word of God in this day and age. It's ridiculous. I'm going to give you a scripture now from 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. I think now we've skipped a lot of scriptures. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. That word breathed is the same word um, that the word Bible uses for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Okay. All Scripture is God breathed. Where is Scripture from? It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? One with the Father. Okay. He is a part of the Godhead. All Scripture is God breathed. Okay. There's also Scripture in, I think it's Matthew 22, verse 31. Where they're arguing amongst the Pharisees and the Sadducees, sorry, the Sadducees about who will you be married to? Is there marriage in the afterlife? And Jesus answers them and he says, Do you know, know that it was written to you? And the scripture, he says, God is not the God of the dead but of the living. And the scripture that he's quoting actually comes from Moses' writings. Okay. But he says, It's written to you. What does that tell you? Scripture's timeless. Doesn't pass away. It's written to us, even though it was written 1400 years before Jesus and now 2000 years. So I had a 
I had a dinner with a friend of mine um, who used to be in the church, amazing guy, love the guy to death. Um, and uh, gone in rebellion to God, completely left the church and uh, started to speak to me. And, and, and the, the words that came out of his mouth were scary, were scary. But I watched as he came into rebellion to God as his mind slowly went down this path. And he found things that he, he was justifying. He justified his position by his feelings, how he feels about it. I will. I will. I will ascend. I will make the decision. I will know the difference between good and evil. Not, God, this is what you said. I brought him scripture on it, on the specific thing. He says to me, um, that was written for them. Scripture's outdated. Actually, that was, it's different now, Mark. We live in a different world. Like the scripture was written for the world and the cultures it was there, God would understand. <coughs> Question scripture. What did Satan do right at the beginning? Did God really say? Okay, doubt in the word of God. There's an authority on the word of God that is we speak it. The enemy has to flee. When Jesus was in the desert and he was actually coming against the enemy and the enemy was tempting him, he quoted three scriptures. Those three scriptures are from Deuteronomy. Satan just backed up. The Word of God is our authority to life. God, His Word, the Father, and the Son will watch the Son submit to the Father because He knows that that's where His authority comes from. He's equal with God if He submits under function. It's a beautiful thing. I, might I throw this out? I don't believe you can reflect Jesus in any way unless you're in submission to your leadership. Why? Because we'll see now. So, okay, we'll see now that God institutes every single authority. And when we rebel against authority, we don't rebel against the authority. We are rebellion to God. I'll give you another example. David sins. Sets you right to the front lines. One of his 50 strong men, mighty men, sent him to the front line, dies. When David repents, who does he repent to? God. It's against you alone of us. He kills a man. But he's responsible before God. He understands that God is in complete control. Okay. Then in the church. So I want to read from Romans 13. So then there's two. So we submit to the, the word of God. We need to walk in obedience to it. And the next thing is people. And this is where we struggle. And the reason why we struggle is we've seen authority abused. Authority gets abused. Left, right, and said, so all I have to say to you is the government, and you'll get like funny tingles going through you. There's an abuse of power that, that, that does exist, okay? And yet we need to understand that God places those people into authority. He gives us exactly what we need. And actually, as South Africa shapes, we get to shine. But let's look. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Most people take that as government over a country. It's all governing authority, whether it be a policeman, a parking attendant, a store owner. God places people in authority, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. I'm not going to go into government. I've looked a lot into this authority thing now. It's incredible. Um, but I do want to go on Two relationships that I felt God touching on. 
Remember, when we don't run the authority, it's rebellion. We follow in the devil. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. This is writing to people in the church as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders. It's so hectic, because when we think of leaders, we think of all the people who have ever disappointed us. I was in the first year out of school. I went to the Amer America, and I submitted myself under um, a youth leader there, and I gave a full year of my life. I could have been studying, I could have been... I don't know, flirting with girls and partying, but I went to go over there and I went to spend a year under the sky. And um, through the year, I actually, uh, there was this different misunderstandings and whatever, and I'd spent a lot of time with people, and um, two girls decided that I was their husband because I had a South African accent and they were Americans, and um, that's just amazing. So, um, anyways, these two girls were friends, and long story short, they got into an argument, and this pastor calls me in. He called me in for an urgent meeting at 11 o'clock at night. Okay. I'd done nothing wrong. All I'd done is been in youth and spend time with people outside of youth, never one-on-one, -on -one, never two-on-one, always in a group context. Okay. He calls me in. That meeting ended at 1 o'clock at night. I cried for two hours as this guy laid into me and laid into me and laid into me. And I was probably young and foolish. I probably had a role to play. But this guy abused his authority over me completely. At that time, there was a conference going around in America, and he said, we're deporting you. We basically, we want you on the next flight out of this place, because we do not want our youth to interact with you at all. I was treated as poisonous. There's this conference going on, and... Um, at the time, all the major singers were there. It was like Matt Redman and Third Day and Rebecca St. James and like the hit chart toppers in 2001 were all coming to one place and had a backstage pass. I was going to serve them. I was going to meet them and shake their hands. At that time, I just loved the Lord. I thought it. But <laughs> I just wanted to serve him and I was like, this is my music. Mercy Me will be there. Like, I can only imagine one day when I meet Mercy Me. Um, and uh, he said to me, he said, Mark, we can only get you a ticket for this time. Now remember, my heart is sift towards this guy. Like, I'm like, you have broken me. The people that I was standing there, like, this was injustice. So he said to me, I do not want you to go to this concert. Because if you bump into one of the youth, I don't want that. And everything in me was like, that makes no sense. I've done nothing wrong. And in a moment, God said to me, under his leadership. I got on a flight and never saw those concerts, but I understood leadership. Okay. Very difficult. <laughs> it doesn't matter how bad the leadership is. If you're under it, you're under it. And sometimes, let me say this, um, leadership is, an authority is delegated for a function, but sometimes people can step out of that function. My authority over my wife is as a husband to protect her, to care for her. Lex needs to work. We need it. I say to her, Lex, work. She comes under my, she must, she submits to that. She must submit. I'm an authority. It's my house, my household. But at the same time, I must care for her as Jesus cared for the church. I must give my life up for her. That's my authority. If I say to my wife, we need the money, I need you to go stay on the street corner and sleep with men because we'll make money quicker. I've now 
outstepped my authority because God's word says. Okay. So we can never step outside of the authority that has been given to us. Neil is an elder in the church. He can lead me. But um, my, the, the greatest authority of Elizabeth's life is actually me as a father, not Neil, even though I'm under him as a lead elder. Let me also say this, is when we ordain elders in Josh Jen, who prays for them? Who lays hands on and prays for them? The apostolic. Under God. God didn't ordain I mean, man didn't ordain them. They recognized it. God placed Neil as head of this house. God. He's God's man. If Neil says something, you go, ha, ha. Okay. Unless it's against God's will. And you can find it in Scripture. Because then God, uh, then Neil's in rebellion to the top authority. Okay. The one other one I want to say is wives and husbands. And I know that this can get very tricky, but I just felt to throw it out. In Colossians 3, verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I can't draw the boundaries. I can't give you all the ins and outs. All I can say is, as a church, we are meant to make submission look beautiful. Okay, We are meant to imitate Jesus. When we are not in submission, we're actually in rebellion. We don't imitate Jesus. We actually imitate the devil. And that's a dangerous place. So, I think that in, in uh, researching this and looking at authority and understanding authority, the thing that shocked me the most is that actually Jesus didn't really, he didn't have the same will as the Father. <laughs> he chose to submit to him. Very difficult what he said. Jesus was going to pay a price and the Father was also going to pay a price watching his son die. But the father had a bigger picture. And we've abused authority. We've actually come to despise authority in many ways. And yet, authority is there to protect us. And actually, when we're under authority, we actually come under the protection of that authority, but we also come under the protection of the father. If I make a bad call and Lex submits something to me and I don't listen to her, her accountability ends with where she submits to me. If she follows me into a bad decision, I'm held accountable. Very scary place. The Bible says don't presume to be teachers because you're leading people. Don't, those who are given much will be held much to account. Leadership is not an easy thing. It's not a fun thing. It's, it, it's very rewarding. It's high risk. High risk, high reward. Because we understand that we stand under the Father. We have to give an account to Him because He's our ultimate authority. But one day when I get to him, I want to be a person who, he says, Mark, you modeled Jesus so beautifully to the world. You were in submission. And I think even tonight, like, as I see the, the weight of submission and what it looks like, is I felt I had to repent on certain areas and I had to realign my heart on certain areas. And in some ways, maybe some of you have, in the Word, you've been doubting the Word or you've been questioning the Word. You just haven't brought yourself, your life, under the authority of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He's a king. When we give our lives to him, we become a part of his kingdom. We're under his authority. We must act like Jesus before the Father. I only do what I see you doing and saying and what I read in your word. And we need to hear his voice on a daily basis.